Hey, welcome to Kamikazuka. My name is Malcolm, and today we are going to talk about Morbius the movie. It's the review, guys. Now, before we go any further, just to let you know, we're gonna have spoilers. So, if you haven't seen the film, may I recommend you guys to see it before you listen to this podcast? All right, all right, great. So, let's get started now. At the moment of the recording of this podcast, Morbius is standing at 16% in Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I'm recording this on April the 6th. I just saw the movie last Sunday, and my thoughts about it is basically I'm somewhere in between. I don't dislike the film, nor I like it. It's like I'm in between. So, just to go into a little bit of details, there's just a few things I really want to talk about the film. I'm not going to really deep dive a bunch of things, but I do want to talk about certain things that I noticed about the film that worked and some things that just didn't work. First of all, let's talk about the story itself. I feel like the story is okay. Not perfect though, right? So, what we have is that we have a simple story. But yet we don't have like this huge climax at the end of the film, you know, this huge fight scene between Morbius and the villain, which in this case, in this movie, it's Milo. We get a fight scene, but it's no big deal. So that is one of the things that I say, okay, well, it's fine, but I mean, it could have been better. Let's talk a little bit about the origin story, which I think was a good thing. They kind of did a good job with the origin story. So in order to understand Morbius' origin story, we, we're going to have to go back to The Amazing Spider-Man 101 and 102 from back of 1972. In this two-issue story arc, we get his origin story. Or actually, may I say more specifically, in 102. In this specific issue, we get Morbius through a flashback. He starts remembering his origins. So basically, we get something very similar to what we saw in the movie. It actually starts on a ship. Well, in the comics, it's actually a yacht. On board the yacht, uh, Morbius is doing his experiment, right? He's trying to create something to cure his blood disease that he has. Now, on board the ship, we also have Martine Bancroft, but she's more like um, his love interest and she's just there for the ride. But who is actually assisting him is Dr. Emil Nico. It sounds very similar to Dr. Emil Nicholas from the film, but in this case is Emil Nico, and he, along with Michael Morbius, both of them, they won the Nobel Prize. So, you know, they, they work really good together. And aside of that, um, Nico and Morbius were together since they were kids. They knew each other for a very long time. So, in the comics, what we have is that Morbius does the human trial. So, <laughs> just like in the movie, right? So, he and injects himself uh, with what he was working on to cure himself and then of course he turns into this pseudo vampire and his first victim is Nico. Um, then after that, of course, he kills everyone else on board the ship and avoiding killing Martine, he jumps off the ship. So basically that's it. So we have something pretty much the same in the movie. Just to clarify, in the comics, it is Dr. Emil Nico who is assisting Morbius. But in the movie, what we saw, it was Dr. Martine Bancroft who is the one who is assisting Morbius in his experiment. The rest of the movie, there's not a lot of similarities with the comic, and that's fine. But at least the origin story does respect that aspect. Now, aside of that, um, like I was mentioning just a moment ago, something I did dislike about watching this film or trying to enjoy the story 
is that I noticed that there were editing issues. So for instance, there was this one scene that we see Michael Morbius in his human normal form. He's just like looking at one direction, but then he turns around and suddenly when he turns, he's already in his vampire-ish look. And I'm like, whoa, I mean, you should have at least, I don't know, when he turned, you start seeing how he transforms, you know, that would be awesome, right? But we don't get that. So it kind of cuts off just suddenly. I'll tell you one thing. Those are the type of scenes that kind of pulls you away from the story. You know, you're watching this movie, you're submerged into the story, but suddenly you see these editing issues that kind of pulls you out of the story and it takes a few seconds to kind of get back into it. So yeah, <laughs> that happens, right? Anyways, from there on, um, other things like the music, for instance. The music here is not memorable whatsoever. Um, and it kind of reminded me of the Dark Knight trilogy. The, the three movies that were done by Christopher Nolan that had Kristen Bale that starred in it. Because there were moments that kind of sound like the same music. It was kind of like the same soundtrack <laughs> in a way. And I was kind of disturbed when I saw, when I heard that, right? I don't know. I wish they could have done something maybe different with the music. Um, aside of that, let's talk about CGI. I think the special effects were pretty good. I really enjoyed the way how they gave us uh, Marvius's superpowers, the way how it actually manifests, the way how we see them on screen. It was really awesome. I loved it. it. It was so good. The way how he moves fast, the way how he glides, the way how he does this echo effect right like what bats do but i mean all of that looked really good anyways let's talk a little bit about of course the casting and the characters one of the big highlights about this film in my opinion it's the casting i think the casting is great the actors that are there they do such a great job let's start with jared leto you know, this guy is a great actor, and I think he did a great job as Morbius, really. I really enjoyed him as Morbius. And again, you know, going back to the origin stories, it was so good to see the origin stories of Morbius so close to the comics, you know? That was just awesome. Then we had Matt Smith, who played Milo in the movie. Now, Milo is the name that they give the character, but his real name is actually Lucius. Now, um, before we go any further, I enjoyed Matt Smith performing Milo. This was great. I mean, I really enjoyed his portrayal of the character. Now, when we talk about Lucius as a character, he's from the comics. His name is actually uh, Lucius Crown, a.k.a. Hunger. So, the comic book story about this guy is that, first of all, he appears in Spider-Man Volume 1, number 76 of January of 1997. And he actually starts out as a Hydra agent in the comics. Later on, he captures Morbius, experiments on him, and Lucius turns himself into Hunger, a pseudo-vampire, just like Morbius. Now, in the movie, of course, they did it different, right? Lucius meets Morbius when they were kids, Morbius calls him Milo, they grew up as friends and then suddenly right while Morbius have a somewhat of a cure for the same illness that both of them have Milo takes the medication and turns himself into a pseudo vampire so but anyways point is uh, Matt Smith's performance was great and also we have Martine Bancroft, or in the movie is Dr. Martine Bancroft, which is Morbius's love interest in the film. Now, who plays her is Adria Arjona. 
there is a slight difference between the movie and the comics. So in the comics, we see that she first appear along with Morbius in The Amazing Spider-Man 101 and 102 back in 1972. But he, the difference is basically that Martine Bancroft is just simply Michael Morbius's love interest. So according to the origin story that we get in The Amazing Spider-Man 102, she goes along on the ship, but not to assist Morbius in his experiment. Basically, she just went along right there. Who actually is the assistant of Morbius in his experiment is Dr. Emil Nico. We'll get to him in just a moment. So here, however, we see that she is a doctor, a colleague, but also the love interest, and she is assisting Morbius in his experiment. Now, something also very important that we should take in consideration is that Martine also turns into a vampire. We see that in the third act of the film, but this also appears in the comics, uh, more specifically in Adventure into Fear number 30 of October of 1975. Now, the way how she turns into a vampire in the comics is different to the movie, but still, I mean, it is something that also has its basis on the comics. Afterwards, we have Dr. Emil Nicholas, which was played by the actor Gerald Harris. Now here, this is interesting because the this doctor actually is from the comics, but his name is actually Dr. Emil Nico, which I mentioned just a moment ago, which is a great friend of Morbius. And they actually work together as colleagues. I think they even knew each other since they were kids. Together, they won the Nobel Prize. And aside of that, like I mentioned, they've been working together. According to the origin story that I was mentioning back in The Amazing Spider-Man 102, it tells us that um, Nico was the person who was assisting Morbius on his experiment on the ship, which also became Morbius's first victim. Because when Morbius kind of turned into this pseudo-vampire, the first person he kills was Nico, right? And after that, of course, he killed everyone else on the ship and then jumped off the ship without killing Martine. Now, in the movie, what we have is that Emil Nico is a doctor who has been helping both Milo and Morbius with their illness. But at the end, Milo actually kills him during the film. And before we get to the post credit scenes, there are two other things I would like to talk about. First of all, I want to talk about the blue blood. Like, what is it? I mean, what is with the blue blood? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I imagine that they were trying to avoid the rated R rating. What they did was that instead of just having Morbius sucking blood from people, they had this synthetic blue blood part of the story. Because as far as I can remember, nowhere in the comics we have something like blue blood, synthetic blood created by Morbius, and that's what keeps him alive. Uh, no. Actually kills people, you know, or he actually sucks blood from people. So that is what makes this character so interesting because Morbius doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to be a like a vampire type, you know, a pseudo vampire. He doesn't want to be that. It kind of reminds us of the Incredible Hulk. How the Incredible Hulk, um, or actually Bruce Banner, gets hit by gamma rays and he, whenever he gets angry, he turns into the Incredible Hulk. And he doesn't want that. So he's constantly looking for a cure. We have the same thing with Morbius. Morbius doesn't want to be the pseudo vampire. He wants to be normal. He doesn't want to be killing people or sucking people's blood in order to survive. It's not his MO whatsoever. So 
I don't know why Sony did this. Maybe because they just wanted to avoid that rated R. And they just wanted to make it a little more friendly, you know? And and I feel like it really affects the real purpose of the character. And aside of that, something I want to mention is that constantly during this review, I've been saying pseudo-vampire. Basically because Morbius isn't really a vampire. He's not completely a vampire. While vampires become vampires because they're bitten by another vampire, in the case of Morbius, it's all because of science. Science turned him into what seems to be a vampire or someone with vampire abilities and powers and that sort of stuff. So he's not completely a vampire. And he actually says this in the movie. There's this one scene that Martine puts a cup of coffee in the sunlight, hoping that Morbius reach out to it. And Morbius just simply say, I'm not that kind of vampire. And it's true, he's not that kind of vampire. So Morbius doesn't really have all the powers and abilities and weaknesses of a vampire at all. You know, he has some that are very similar, but not all of them. And going back to that scene that I mentioned about the sunlight, well, in the comics, Morbius is sensitive to sunlight, but not because of the same reasons as a vampire. Just simply, he's sensitive to sunlight, and that's it. Alright, so now let's talk about the post-credit scenes. We have two post-credit scenes here, and I gotta say, these are the worst post-credit scenes I've ever seen in a movie, ever. Because it's like, they make no sense whatsoever. I mean, why do you even come up with these post-credit scenes? So, let's start off with the first one. In the first one, we see a cityscape, and in the sky, we see this purple crack, which reminds us of Spider-Man No Way Home. And then suddenly, we have Adrian Toomes, appear in a prison cell and with that it tells us that he was actually pulled from the MCU into this Sony's universe of characters and it's like why is that even something that makes sense because when Doctor Strange did his spell he pulled into the MCU's universe all the people that knew Spider-Man so that's why we got villains like Doctor Octopus we got Green Goblin we got Electro we got lizard i mean that made sense but why did adrian tombs aka vulture was instead he was actually sent out of the universe he was sent somewhere else he was sent into the sony universe that just simply doesn't make sense i don't know why they did that or maybe they did that because of the second post credit scene which is morbius riding a sports car in the mid middle of the desert and he stops he gets out of the car and then suddenly vulture appears and again tombs now here's my question where did the, this guy got his gear from i mean he's in a different universe where did he get his gear from i mean does that even make sense and then he's like you know we should team up um and he mentions spider-man and we should go and do some good and morbius is like yeah that sounds interesting that sounds intriguing you know like sign me up you know it's like they're forcing sinister six uh, th like they're trying to do the sinister six again after we saw of course the amazing spider-man part two the the second movie of andrew garfield they're like they're trying to force the Sinister Six again. I'm like, oh man, really? This is the way you guys decided to do this? You know, like bringing over tombs into this other universe, which first of all, doesn't make sense whatsoever. And second, uh, where did he get his gear from? And, and how he found or how he located uh, Morbius? I mean, none of it makes sense, really. So anyways, we're just going to have to wait and see what Sony is planning on doing with these characters. And if there is something that probably is going to 
going to be like the Sinister Six or if they're going to make some sort of a crossover with the MCU. I don't know. Anyways. Well, with all that said, let's get to my final score. From 1 to 10, I give this movie a 6. Again, I don't feel like it's a bad movie, nor I feel like it's an entirely good movie. It's somewhere in between. I think 6 is reasonable. Therefore, what Rotten Tomatoes said, that it's a 16%, I feel like that's criminal. I feel like the movie doesn't deserve that type of treatment. But anyways, yeah, so this is my review of Morbius. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to support the podcast, please share it with others and leave a rating and a review. Please subscribe to Kamikzuka the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you like to listen to. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Here in Kamikzuka, we're saving the day one comic book at a time. See you guys next time.